Hi there, I'm Tiara Vianne, and this is KJZZ's Stories You Don't Want to Miss podcast. It's the latest stories from the week, and it's designed to catch you up on some highlights from our community. Thanks so much for listening for the week of October 23rd, 2023. Arizona is a right-to-work state. On paper, that means workers can't be fired or barred from employment because they don't join a union. But critics say right-to-work is deceiving and keeps Arizona workers from bargaining and forming unions. Kirsten Dorman reports. Robert Nichols with the group Arizona Works Together says Arizona's first governor, George Hunt, was fiercely pro-union. We are carrying on the legacy of early Arizona politics by fighting to repeal right-to-work laws from the Arizona Constitution and create an affirmative right to organize in its place. He says it took 60,000 voters to make Arizona a right-to-work state in 1946. That's just 12 percent of how many signatures they'll have to gather to get it on the ballot next year. But a coalition of local unions, state lawmakers, and labor activists say it's necessary. State Representative Cesar Aguilar, a Democrat, says people in his district suffer because they can't organize effectively. It breaks my heart to see working-class folks drowning and preparing for homelessness. Voter approval would guarantee the right to self-organize and form unions. Workers may opt out except where membership or financial support are conditions of employment. Kirsten Dorman, KJZZ News, Phoenix. In Tribal Natural Resources, which is supported in part by a grant from the Katina Foundation. Desert Diamond Arena was the home of Ridge Rider Days, a weekend-long professional bull riding competition that ended earlier this month. It was also an indigenous showcase featuring a Navajo athlete and an Apache youth dance group. Gabriel Piacirazio sat in the front row and has this report. Shiny bells worn by a group of six white mountain Apache teens jingle as they stand ready at an entranceway. They are the Dishche Biko Apache group and drove hours from their reservation to perform the crown dance. It's a tradition to shield their community from disease and enemies, but in this case, to protect professional bull riders from injuries. Now it's their turn to step into that arena's bright spotlight. That singing you hear is Jarrett Dale of the White Mountain Apache Tribe, who was off stage while steadily beating on a water drum. Right now they're in training, they're, they're young and learning. These kids right now dance, they're born in 2009, so they're the next generation. This troop travels often, from the nearby Grand Canyon to as far as France, and sometimes performs on short notice with little opportunity to practice, if at all, preparing teens for actual ceremonies back home. One of them is about to get selected soon. But something else motivates him even more. We started this group to keep them off drugs and alcohol. And, you know, in, in our area, we're slowly losing our language, the kids. And performing inside jam-packed arenas, surrounded by fire and pyro, allows these youth to showcase their talents for strangers and family alike. It's amazing because it's what he loves doing, to have his buddies dance alongside of him. It's just a great sight to see. That's Kenesha Whiteclaw. Her son, Jaya Lee, leads the group. After the dance, they were admittedly shy to talk about it until... If you guys see yourselves, point them out. 
Yeah, yeah, that's you right there. I sat down, pulled out my camera, and scrolled through the photos from their performance. Oh, we're going famous. Another proud mom is Coco Walker. I hope they get to come out again next year. He makes me proud. Proud mom. My name is Kaifis. Kaifis. And that's her son, Kaifis Begay, who began dancing as a toddler. Did you have a lot of fun tonight? Oh, yeah. Had a lot of fun. This is Araya Bontino. He began dancing around first grade. My grandpa passed on. He's going to keep dancing. And that's Rashad Smith who was dancing by age four. Then they all sat down to watch one rising 25-year-old Navajo star shine. Cody Jesus was born and raised there. He now competes for the Texas Rattlers and is one of the most popular bull riders in this predominantly white sport. And in Glendale, he got a hometown welcome on that first disappointing night. He got bucked off after a few seconds. It was his first ride since returning from a months-long wrist injury. I had a chance to catch up with him after Ridge Rider Days finished. I just didn't know if I could trust anything, like my groin or getting injuries that were nagging me. And, but I, I think that was on the back of my mind and just kind of made a mental error. But after the Apache's crown dance... Going in the night, too, I knew that everything worked fine and I could trust everything. He rode a bull named I'm Legit 2 for the full eight seconds. thrusting his team to a tight margin victory over the Carolina Cowboys on that same night. For KJZZ News, I'm Gabriel Pietrazio reporting from Glendale. And this is the Stories You Don't Want to Miss podcast. Thanks for listening. In business news. The NBA season started Tuesday night, and perhaps no team has undergone more changes in the past year than the Phoenix Suns. Arizona's original pro sports franchise has been reinventing itself with a new owner, new head coach, and new superstar player. But can all the upheaval lead to the team's first title? Phil Latzman has a season preview. It was just two and a half years ago that the Suns took the NBA by storm, made it to the finals, but lost to the Milwaukee Bucks. It does, though, seem a lot longer, as that team and organization barely resembles the one we see today. And those major changes start at the top. If you look at where we finished Game 6 when we lost to Denver to where we are today, we're better. Are we good enough to win a whole ch the championship, the NBA Cup, the NBA championship? Are we good enough? We're going to find out, but we feel really great about all the change we made. That is the new Suns owner, Matt Ishbia, who has been making moves as fast as he talks. On the same day, he finalized the majority purchase of the team 
from the embattled Robert Sarver. He approved the blockbuster trade in March that brought Kevin Durant to Phoenix. Days after the Suns lost in the conference semifinals for a second straight year, he fired head coach Monty Williams. In the offseason, Ishbia signed off on two more major deals, one that brought Bradley Beal to the Suns for Chris Paul, another just last month that saw former number one overall pick DeAndre Ayton shipped to Portland in return for fellow big man Yusuf Nurkic. You know, DeAndre Ayton's a great player. We love we love to have him on the team. He's a great part of our organization. I think he's going to do great in Portland. But for our team, you know, Nurkic was a better fit for us. And we're trying to win a championship now. We're building around three superstars, Kevin, Devin, and Brad. Only Devin Booker remains from the team that made the finals back in 2021. Everybody that was a part of, you know, historic part of this franchise. You know, trades are the hardest part of this business. You know, because I know me personally, I'm so invested, but, you know, just understanding that, you know, people might be in a better situation. After the two played only briefly together last year, Booker is looking forward to getting more time to mesh with Kevin Durant. You know, I've always looked up to KD and, you know, to be here firsthand now and get to spend time and, and grow that relationship is you know, it's a, it's a full circle moment in life, and, you know, we have a great deal of respect for each other. Durant says they needed the bonding time. So it was good to build, you know, as teammates. You know, we've been around and hung around each other before as opponents, but to, to hang with, you know, each other as teammates was a different feeling. So I'm looking forward to continue to build with Book on and off the floor. And both will have to learn to play with the third member of the Big Three, guard Bradley Beal, another versatile player used to having the ball in his hands. It's not just going to be one guy. We're all going to be leading by committee. Who's ever outletting the ball, who's ever closer gets the rebound. We're all free to push and get our, initi our offense initiated. You know, I think that's the, the biggest thing. Like, if we had a traditional point guard, like, he's not going to be slowing our offense down. Like, yo, hold, like, no, get the ball to Kevin, get the ball to D-Book, and let's, let's get this thing going. And it'll be up to new head coach Frank Vogel to draw up the plays for the superstar trio. You know, we spent a lot of time um, in this gym, away from this gym, you know, throughout the summer, just getting to know these guys as as people, uh, talking about the system we're going to put in place. Vogel replaces Monty Williams, having previously coached against the Suns with the Lakers. Devin Booker and I just had a playoffs a couple of years ago. KD's always been a nightmare, and Brad's always been a nightmare to go against. So to have those guys uh, on my side, you know, there's a great deal of excitement with that. But it is championship or bust for new owner Matt Ishbia, who's working fast off the court to instill a new culture for the team, an NBA investigation a year ago found former owner Robert Sarver had engaged in a long history of racist, misogynistic, and hostile incidents, forcing him to sell the franchise. Ishbia lauds a new TV deal that puts the Suns and their WNBA sisters, the Mercury, on broadcast television for the first time in more than a decade. But the billionaire mortgage broker says it's not about the money. If you put money first, you don't make decisions like that. We don't put money first on anything. We put winning, success fan experience, community first. And when you do those things, money will follow. And we'll get our first glimpse at the New Look Suns tonight. They debut in Golden State against an old point guard, Chris Paul and the Warriors. Suns are home for the first time Saturday hosting Utah. Phil Latzman, KJZZ News. Now from KJZZ's The Show, we are dropping eggs off a parking garage in honor of a new world record set in Arizona. Here's co-host Lauren Gilger. 
This year's Arizona State Fair has been marked by the return of concerts and competitions in everything from selfie-taking to arm wrestling. But one event literally set a world record. Employees from the Arizona Science Center successfully dropped 155 eggs, which did not break, into cups filled with water. The center now holds the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest object drop inertia experiment in history, a title previously claimed by, of all people, morning TV hosts Kelly Ripa and Ryan Seacrest. This inspired the team here at the show to have our own egg drop competition, but in a a more traditional manner. Think of the egg drop you did in high school science class. Our producers built their own contraptions that would hopefully protect an egg from a three-story drop. Here's what happened on top of the parking garage just outside our studios. All right, so we're putting our own uh, spin here on this uh, experiment. Can you call it an experiment yes, in the State Fair? absolutely. Okay, science experiment done at the State Fair. Uh, we are at the top of the parking deck here at uh, KJZZ. Three and stories up? I think that's right, yeah, three stories up. As high up. as we could get. <laughs> uh, we each have eggs in, I, allegedly there's an egg in this box. Wrapped uh, in some other stuff. Wrapped in other stuff. My egg is inside of this <laughs> peanut butter jar. In the peanut butter, they Points say. Creativity our producers that. tell me, and we've created some kind of uh, parachute. <laughs> so we're gonna drop these off the uh, top of the parking deck here, and uh, see if either or both of them survive the eggs, survive the uh, journey down. Let's give it a go. All right. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Let me straighten these out. My parachutes. One, two. Three! Oh. <laughs> I think it bounced like five feet back. <laughs> did it break? It didn't break! We'll see about the egg later. All right, Mark's turn. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. All right. Let's I guess we got to go down and see what happened. They look pretty good. Should we see what happened? My peanut butter jar is not broken. How do I get this tape off? Oh, there we go. Oh man, I think I really secured this well. Okay, opening the jar. Where's the egg? <laughs> Nate, come here. Put your fingers in. I'm not doing it. <laughs> How far down did you put this? In the middle. <laughs> oh, God. Is it, is it broken? Oh, he's got it. It's intact. It looks intact. A raw egg, right? This was not hard-boiled. It's not raw a trick. Egg. It survived. It. All right. All right, let's see what's in the box. All right, so this is a box full of packing peanuts, which are now going to get everywhere. Not litter, Mark. Try to be environmentally friendly here. It survived. It survived. This is amazing. 
two perfectly formed eggs. They survived. <laughs> and this is the Stories You Don't Want to Miss podcast. In education news. The Phoenix Union High School District has partnered with an online certification program in an effort to recruit and retain qualified teachers. As Bridget Dowd reports from our education desk, the district hopes to fill 150 teacher vacancies. Phoenix Union has partnered with iTeach, an alternative teacher preparation and certification program that allows anyone with an existing bachelor's degree to get an alternative teaching certificate. Kimberly Thaggard is the company's West Region Program Director. She says every district has the right to a establish their own educator preparation program, but that can be costly. Just to establish an educator preparation program, that includes the curriculum, the teachers, the assessments, the technology, that can start out anywhere from five hundred to $800,000. Thaggard says with the help of iTeach, Phoenix Union can recommend eligible candidates within their schools and the company takes it from there, allowing the district to spend those funds elsewhere. Bridget Dowd, KJZZ News, Phoenix. In Fronteras News. Tucson's city council has approved a plan laid out by municipal authorities to secure drinking water for residents in the coming years. From our Fronteras desk there, Elisa Resnick reports the plans include recycled water. The plan is called One Water 2100. It's part of a master sustainability plan from the city, and it spells out where drinking water for Tucson will come from in the coming years. Natalie DeRook with Tucson Water says recycled water, or wastewater that has been treated to drinking water standards, is just one of several potential sources included in the plan. That's not something that we're going to implement right away. And number two, we would uh, definitely consider um, the thought of the community, the input of the community in doing so. Daruk says other sources include stormwater, groundwater, and surface water. She says the city is looking at ways to manage water resources depending on various factors, like Colorado River allocation and drought management with the state and federal government. Elisa Resnick, KJZZ News, Tucson. And finally, in science news, northern forests comprise one quarter of the world's woodlands and exert a substantial influence on Earth's climate. Now research is changing our picture of how these massive carbon storehouses react to forest fires. From our Arizona Science Desk, Nicholas Gerbis reports. When forest fires sweep through the black spruce and jack pine forests of Canada and Alaska, it's thought the conifers are replaced by leafy deciduous trees. Such plants take up more carbon, reflect more light, cool the climate, and lower fire risk. But satellite data spanning decades suggests that shift doesn't last. Senior author Stan Getz of NAU. When we integrated across both space and time, the changes thus far at least are fairly small on a net basis. That could change, though, if more intense and frequent forest fires due to climate change burn away the soils conifers depend on. Down in Arizona, conifer forests mainly revert back to ponderosa pines and pinyon juniper woodlands following fires. The research appears in the journal Nature Climate Change. Nicholas Gerbis, KJCZ News, Phoenix. And you've been listening to the Stories You Don't Want to Miss podcast. It's made possible in part by Helios Education Foundation and Alliance Bank, the Vitalist Health Foundation, the Intel Corporation and Beach Fleischman, the Arizona Community Foundation and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Thank you for listening to KJZZ and for your generous support. I'm Tiara Vian, and this is KJZZ, your news and information station.